Welcome to the Dental and Mental Podcast. Hey, everybody. It's game time. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, I'm Dr. Galen Dietrich, and uh, this is my wife, Dr. Davina Dietrich. Hi, guys. Ready to dive in on... Uh, sorry, I'm recovering from a cold, some of it nasally. Sorry. Super sexy voice. So, sorry about that, but we're going to make it through with <laughs> with a cotton candy bang energy drink and some cough drops. Yeah, you might hear some sipping in the background, some coffee and some bang energy, but it's time to get after it. Today we're talking about actually a pretty fun, fun topic, which is being an overnight success in 40 years. Yeah, and I that that's not our phrase. I don't even know where that phrase came from. I think the first time I heard it um, was a coach that said it, yeah. asking him about how he became a, an overnight success because he had just like this you know, rocket ship of success in a short period of time and people could see it. And it was like, oh my gosh, how are you doing it? And it was that idea of, I've been doing this for 40 years. I'm only seeing the success of the thing now. Right. Right. Well, I think part of the reason why people experience this, I mean, gosh, like just being very honest, I'm the same. You always want to have the shortest route up the mountain to the place that you want to go. So it could be financial, it could be health, um, it could be marketing, it could be whatever it is, but you're looking for the shortest route. And there are stories that are highlighted by the media, by by friends, by social media that do appear from the outside to be rocket ship overnight successes. You know, I mean, there's a lot of very young people who seem to be very successful. So how do you unpackage stuff like that? Because I think that's... It's more epidemic than we'd probably want to admit to ourselves that we all want that. The pill, you know, that's going to change everything for us. Uh, The diet plan that just, oh man, it tastes so good and everything's amazing. I could just drink bang energies all day long. Right? Like it's (laughs) like, that's what we all want. But how do you unpackage that piece of us saying, well, it seems to work like that for other people? Well, I think one, we don't really know that to be true right? We don't know the backstory. And I think that's really important. And it's like, what is the story that you're selling yourself? If you're a person that's desperate to believe that it's just like, oh, in one instant, everything can change for me. That really is magical thinking. And you've got to get honest with yourself if you're looking for a magical story so you can insert yourself into it to bypass the hard work, time, dedication, and commitment over time that it takes to achieve a certain result. So I think that's the first piece. And then I think the second piece is is that the kind of success that you want? Because a lot of times when those things rise really high, they also have a tendency to burn. The flame burns really bright and then goes dark. (laughs) Is that a Bitcoin joke? Okay. I don't get those. Um, Right. But it's that, is that the kind of success that you want? Like some rapid fire thing. And then it's just absolutely toast. And I think that's, not what the majority of us want. We want something that we can live in. We want a success that we can live in. We want a success that we can sustain. We want a success that tends to get sweeter over time. And that the money that we make from that thing, if we're talking about financials, feels really good. Right, right. That's one of the things that um, when you talk to, not talk to, when you you hear stories about or watch um, biography, documentaries on people who were not just successful once, but were successful time and time and time again. Think about an easy one like athletes like Michael Jordan or or Kobe Bryant. Their challenge was not achieving success. It was staying on top. 
And that is like the hardest place to be because you're going to have young, hungry people coming for your place. And so you have to actually shift out of just like that sprint to be successful. You have to now turn into an autopilot type of routine regimen and mindset that doesn't get to take days off. And I think that's like, we watched that um, interview with David Goggins. It was like, that's the mindset. Like there are no days off. Like that's the way you come at life. That's a different form of success. Wouldn't you agree? Like it's a very different, you're talking about a lifestyle versus a, an experience. Oh, I love that. I think that's really perfect. Are you becoming somebody or are you a person who's had an experience of something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is, what's going on right now with marketing at Vita? Cause I know we've, we've talked about that in the context of what are you experiencing and are you having overnight success moment or does it appear that way Right. in what's showing up at Vita? Well, I'll give the backdrop of, um, I've learned a ton about marketing from Devin, from my partner and, and our friend, because I think he has a very, he has a very good grasp, not on like the tangible pieces of like what I have to say and like just to write, like it's not the what's, but his why behind marketing and his belief that you have to spend to make those things happen and the commitment to that is what makes him rare. It's not his ability to take the just the right photo or say the right thing. Mm. Um, and so that's really actually really shifted a lot of things for me. We had a doc within um, one of our Thrive Masterclasses within uh, Vogue, which is like our virtual consultation. Well, it gets a wrap for that because it was built during 2020. So it was very much in that vernacular of virtual consultations. But really, if you if you were to pull the superficial layer of that course back, what that course is really teaching is the idea of creating a very magnetic like shopping experience for patients that are looking from the outside in. Mm. And that's a different approach. Well, I bring that because um, one of the docs was asking like what I meant by always put the fundamentals and the basics first because virtual consultations can be trendy. And I think in marketing, that is what market, that's where marketing falls short for some people. It's like, well, TikTok's hot. We got to do this. Or we got to, you know, the latest thing is getting onto threads or, you know, whatever the thing is. Right. So dentists are surprised when they don't have an influx of patients from their singing and dancing (laughs) TikToks. Yeah. And if you're, if you've ever done any sort of investing of any kind, you know that when something finally is trendy enough that people are talking about it, you're already too late. Mm Mm-hmm. And so that's when dentists are getting on board. They're like, we need to do more videos of us doing whatever, you know? And it's like, yeah, that, that happened already. You know, you're, you're getting on the bandwagon late. All that to say, I think if, if you look at the way Vita's marketing now and you ask, oh my gosh, like, <clears throat> how are you getting so many good, great, great, great patients? Because Devin and I were talking the other day, we're like, wow, like the quality of the patients we've been getting has been people who just know what they want and they've heard about us. And they have friends who have talked about us and they look at the reviews and then all these different pieces, right? These like 30 touches that now have equated to, I know what I want. I know what your guys' price points are and I want to do this thing. It's getting the reputation of being a luxury brand. Yes. Like when, when I go to the crystal shops in Vegas, nobody has to sell me anything. <laughs> Hermes is Hermes. Or I'm there to buy, right? It, yeah. that's, it's like, I already know what I want. I'm coming in here just help me facilitate the process, but I'm already ready to buy. Right. 
Yeah. And that is, that was the point that I was trying to make to our doc was that this concept of always focusing on those fundamentals is really a way of saying, if I had to package it a different way, it's be like, do what is seemingly a boring task over and over and over again, because that is the thing that will build your reputation. And what's that old saying? Like a reputation is built over a lifetime and it can be destroyed in a moment. And that's what you have to understand is that like, it only takes one thing and doing it really wrong to have all of it come down. Right. I mean, we saw that recently. (laughs) Say more if you care for it. We saw that recently. So we were watching the news and there is a local dentist who is in a lot of hot water for shoplifting at Target and like consistently like hundreds to thousands of dollars worth of merchandise and just walking out of the store. I mean, some of these shoplifting experiences, we'll call them experiences, um, were like 48 bucks, you know, uh, and then another was like 150 and I was like 300. So, I mean, this is not like you shoplifted 10 grand because you needed the cash. And this particular dentist who I know, we won't say their name, but this particular dentist, you know, uh, they probably make. No, it was on the news. It, it was, was on the news. It was two hundred and eighty-six thousand dollars. Two hundred eighty-six. That's right. That okay, was two hundred eighty-six. Yeah, that was that was on the the news. You're story. right. That was on the news. So two hundred eighty-six thousand a year, and they moonlighted at another practice for two days a week. So, you know, I mean, money was probably not the issue. I think you mentioned that you thought it was probably an addiction. Oh, or, I, that, or the or the that, thrill or something. That was, yeah, that was a theory presented by an attorney who does oh, defense okay, okay. work that. When this particular attorney has done defense work and it's been people shoplifting, but not out of necessity, yeah. it was really the like the thrill seeking of it. Uh, okay. And so n- not to get too derailed on that, but the point was when you were and I were watching this, the thought that we had was, how do you come back from that? Uh. Right? How do you come back from that in your city, in your state? How do you then try and get people to trust you again? Oh, it's right. Like that's. That we have no answers for that, but that's the yeah. question: is really sinking your reputation for something, and going through the process of potentially trying to rebuild that. When I think whatever you're doing consistently is building your reputation, it doesn't have to be like shoplifting, right, or something crazy that takes you down. It can just be that you hop, skip, and you jump from the next thing to the next thing to the next thing, and you're never putting down roots, and so that becomes your reputation. Right. Or that you do things pretty well, you know, mostly, but you're not an A plus deliverer. And so your reputation becomes, yeah, I mean, if you want something done and it's okay, go to that person. But that's what you build slowly over time. So to getting back to what we're finding is we're finding all these really great patients are coming in and we just don't have to do nearly as much, um, I guess, like groundwork, right? Chair side. The I mean, some of them will even just be like, no, I got you. Like, we're good. Like, when when can we get started? Right. Or how long is this going to take? You know? And those are the people who are like, okay, let's get going. And Dev and I were talking and he's like, yeah, you know, this is what people think. They think, he's like, he's on Dentaltown. I mean, he's on the cover of Dentaltown. So he's got a very good following that way. People ask him questions all the time. He's extremely generous with his time. I mean, he'll get on phone calls in the middle of the night, talk yeah. to people. But they're asking him, like, what are you doing? 
what's what what's the marketing deal now? Like, what are you saying? What is it? Is it a photo of your family? Is it a photo of like you with a laser? Like, what is the thing? And he's like, guys, <laughs> it's the groundwork that we've been putting down for six years, and that's not even that much time. But that's six years of consistent effort in the same vein, and now you're getting to reap some of those rewards, some of that produce. Right. From the mindset perspective, I think it's really interesting because when somebody, if somebody is not aware, right? So as you and Devin are having this conversation, you're aware that it has been planting seeds and consistency over time for six years Mm -hmm. that is now yielding these results, right? If somebody is not aware, they are going to pinpoint something that is innocuous, like, oh, this time I had a picture with my family that's the thing that got it. That's right. the thing that hit. Right. And then we attribute that is the thing when it's yeah. not the thing at all. And it sends us on wild goose chases to find the next thing that hits, not understanding that it has been, who have you been being over time? When I actually, I like hope people really, that's a, such a morsel of gold. What you just said, because all of us are victim to our own deception on that front. It's one of the things that I will actually stop and bring clients back to. All the time. I hear you. So whether they're having a good month or a bad month, okay, say it's like, okay, January is a terrible month. Okay. January is not a good month financially. So they start looking at what am I doing right now? And it's like, oh, I I didn't (laughs) have good sleep. And last week, you know, we had an assistant out and that's what's happening right now. I'm like, that's never what's actually happening. It's who you were being in December. It's who you were being in November. And it's who you were being in October that is now yielding what is happening in January. So we weren't scheduling in those months. We weren't training in those months. We weren't having conversations in those months. And now we're just seeing it happening in January. So we want to understand that it's not the bad sleep that you had last night, or it's not the fact that your assistant's cat ran away a week ago, but they want to get really narrowly focused into that. And it doesn't leave a lot of room for operation and correction. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a very applicable principle to so many areas of life. And I think one of the things that people mistake, you know, big brands, Coke, Pepsi, you name it. I mean, Apple's about the only one that doesn't really advertise much anymore. But you got brands that put significant cash behind marketing to you all the time. And most of the time, you're not like you watch a Coke ad and you're like, I'm going to go drink a Coke. Like that's, that's the thing. It's not about that. It's the consistency, it's the consistency of pres- uh, putting it before you all the time that you're actually helping people understand the, that they can trust you because you're so consistent. And the consistency, I think what people don't realize, and it took me a long time to realize this too, as you're building reputation, a lot of people won't go to you the first time, second time, third time, because they're testing you. They're waiting to see will you continue to show up. Patients will do that, right? You might present something to them, and maybe it's too expensive for them at the time or whatever it is. They'll try some of the places, but what they're really looking for is they're looking for the person they can trust. And if you continue to show up and your energy's right and you're unattached and all these things we've talked about, that's what they can trust, But when you're haphazard or you try too hard or you push for a particular marketing campaign, like this is going to change everything, there's a sense of desperation. There's a sense of inconsistency that people pick up on, and it actually does the opposite of what you would want. So 
know that people are testing you. For sure. Kids. Think about when we first started Thrive, right? Seven years ago. We've had people who wanted that very first course who we spoke to who then had not bought anything until this this past year. Yeah. And had been yeah. in our world reading the emails, doing all the things, right? And so it it is a matter of their timetable, not mm-hmm. ours. Yeah. And to your point, our job is to keep showing up. And when that feels like the right decision for them, right. they turn into buyers instead of being sold something. Right. There's no seed on the planet that you plant it and then the very next day it's good because you gave it the right amount of water and the right nutrients and all the rest. That's not the way it works. Do you know that it takes like 18 months to grow a pineapple? (laughs) I I don't. So, yeah. (laughs) I do now. I know. It seems really ridiculous, but when you really think about it, that is insane. So 18 months to grow a single pineapple. Wow. There's not even multiple pineapples. It takes it takes shorter time to make a baby. Yes. Make a human. Yes. Yeah. And when you think about think about how crazy that is, because I know when I shop for pineapples, they're like relatively cheap compared to all the other things. A pineapple's like three bucks. Mm. Right? And when you think about an eighteen month cycle to get one pineapple, why are these not eighty seven dollars a fruit? <laughs> right? Right. Eighteen months. And then here's the thing. This is important. Just listen, okay? This is the thing. So then you take that pineapple and that plant makes one other pineapple and the second pineapple takes like a year. Really? So a single pineapple tree, I think they're trees, It take, they, you only yield two fruit off of it and then you've got to pluck it up and replant. Really? Yes. And the Dole Plantation has this down, right? That's why we have $3 pineapples. But isn't that crazy that it's like, oh, I should have a single conversation and somebody should just want to sign up and have, you know, love me and write me a review and pay me buckets of money and have the, you know, be my billboard for dentistry (laughs) when a pineapple takes 18 months. Right. Like, can we just slow down and understand that it's the continuation of the cycle of planting and harvesting and being a good steward of something that's going to yield fruit? I think that being a good steward is such a great concept to, to play with a little bit. <clears throat> we see this a ton in health, um, in nutrition, um, supplementation, all this, right? Where I was talking to a patient yesterday. He's a nutritionist and is a brilliant, brilliant guy. Um, I mean, he knows more than genuinely most physicians I've ever met. Um, he's just so learned. And <clears throat> he was talking to me about how supplementation is one of those things that is really poorly misunderstood because it's so trendy. It's subject to trends. And what people do is they, they hear one story about somebody who took a cayenne tablet and they're like, oh yeah, like I'm good to go. Like Guilty. I don't have. <laughs> Guilty right here. I, I actually no longer have cholesterol problems. Yep. And you're like, that's not the way it works. And, mm. and and he's like, he's like, what I love is I love my supplements. He's like, but I am so consistent in taking them preventatively that that's how he's that's how he uses them it's like he uses things like supplements to encourage and to maintain good health to not get to that place where you're really gonna have a problem but he's like if you have you know clogged arteries tossing a couple of these tabs down the hatch is not going to do anything for you (laughs) you know you gotta get (laughs) you gotta get those unblocked and you you gotta go through surgery and so i think it's fascinating to see how we take that same approach to a lot of areas of our life, you know, you and I have seen it with parenting that when we're really consistent, our kids, 
Um, I mean, you almost use the word militant. I think militant has the phrasing or the, the connotation of being like aggressive or combative. But really militant is like very disciplined, very consistent. This is the way we do things. When you and I are more like that, our kids are better behaved. They're more grateful. They're ready to say yes. Um, yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. But when we are chaotic, it could be because of schedules, it could be because of getting sick, it could be because of whatever. That's when you start to see that those who are looking up to you, you know, your patients, your pa- your kids, your whoever, that's when they start to act out a little bit. That's when their inconsistencies come out. Yeah. The other thing too, um, I think communication is a huge component of this. One of the conversations that I'm having with my coach right now is being consistent, being, she calls it inconsistently consistent. And the idea is where are the places that you are consistent and how can we actually tap into those and build upon the places that you already are consistent instead of trying to layer and force things that, that you just rebel against, Mm, right? Okay. Can you build consistency around things that you already know are foundational for you and we either put support in places where you know you can't be consistent or can you have conversations to at least let other people have a heads up? Right. Right. So, Hey, um, yeah, we're going to, we're going to be doing the podcast every week. Oh, okay. One week we're not having a conversation is saying, Hey, you guys, we're, we we're not feeling well this week. We're going to be taking this week off, whatever it is. I'm not saying that about the podcast guys, but <laughs> right. Uh, the, New news to me. Right. No, the point was, is are you having conversations around places to be able to manage those expectations with other people so that you don't constantly look like a flake? Now mm. I should say that doesn't mean that you're breaking your word and going back on commitments that you made. It means that you're informing people and letting them know what kind of rhythm you work in. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I think I know what you're what you're getting. I actually like that perspective because then we can all relate to that. We do have certain parts of us that we're. It's easier to be consistent in because you care about it because it makes sense to you because it's in your design. I know that you're really good at that of kind of knowing what, how a person's what their makeup is and what their proclivities are. Um. But then there are those things that you're inconsistent in and it's kind of realizing or maybe having an awareness, having someone walk you through that of like, is it, are you rebelling against it because it's not really what you should be doing? You thought you were supposed to. Someone told you that's like a great regimen, you know, like we see this all the time with morning routines. How many dentists work with you, work with me, uh, or in our platform, in our, in our uh, environment to thrive. And they're like, what are you guys doing for your morning routines? And it's like, ah, that's not... <laughs> It's, it's so person dependent. And most of the time, this is because you hear it about someone who's successful telling you how their, you know, hour and a half, 90 minute morning routine changed their life. And I think Devin said it best. He's like, yeah, they're telling you that now that they have literally thousands and thousands of dollars, or millions of dollars and the time to be able to spend 90 minutes and their kids are at the house. <laughs> it's like, you look at all those factors, then you look at you and you're like, well, I, I don't have any of that. And I have kids all around me. A 90-minute routine doesn't make any sense. And if anything, it'll actually make you inconsistent, feel guilty, feel worse about yourself, and then affect way other areas of your life. Right, right. But if you say that, what you just said right now, Mm -hmm. somebody who is thriving from having a morning routine is going to leave a comment like, 
my morning routine changed my life. Like, you know, probably right. Everybody's up in arms because it's like, it's the thing that worked for me and it transformed my whole life. And now I'm going to come at you because you said that morning routines are optional. You you don't even have to say they're bad, right? You don't even even have to say they're bad. You just said that they're optional. And now people are like up in arms about it. Well, okay. That's a question for you then, because I feel as if people have, there's a lot of excess. Like we just, we have so much excess in our lives from material things to routines, to books, to, it's just a massive overconsumption of things. Do you feel like that plays a big role in this idea of not being consistent? Cause it's like, there's too many things on your plate. So therefore it's like, I see this with, I'll just, I'll just put a story out there. It's, there's a dentist that I really, really love. Um, I've worked with privately and there's a, a hard time for this particular dentist getting their team to be able to be trained at the level that he wants them to be at. Okay. Okay. And I ask him, you know, well, have you done this, this, and this? And what it comes down to is there's not enough time to do that because there's 50,000 other things that they're trying to take care of. So they try to fix this problem with, um, with communication and a morning huddle. They'll try to have one team lead, train other people, whatever it is, but there's not enough of a consistency because there's literally too many fires. There's too many things that they've said yes to, not enough things that they said no to. And so something that's a big time priority, like having a team that makes your life easier, which should be a massive priority for you, isn't because there's so many other things that they have to tend to. And so it's been difficult to get that, to get that change. Would you agree or what's your thought on, on the excess of consumption? Okay. So the first thing I think is when I hear something like that, the place my mind naturally goes to is, do we need to do work around people pleasing? Right? Hmm. So if you're saying yes to a lot of things and a lot of things are actually a no, are we in that habit because we're people pleasers and we don't want to let anybody down? So then we end up carrying more than we should. So that's one of the places to look at. The other place is like, do you have FOMO? Actually, I'm not a people pleaser. I'm just so afraid of missing out on things that I overcommit and then end up stressed anyways. Mm. The next thing is honesty is honesty and self-awareness. Really important things, especially when you're a leader, because that person can say, you know what? I understand intellectually and I realize that training my team is a priority and it's not for me. And that's the truth. Mm. I've had, I've had conversations with Dennis and one said it perfectly. She's like, I want to want it. I want to want it, but I don't. And I thought that that was so beautiful. Cause it's like, you know, that you need this, you know, you should want it. But the truth is I don't. Well, you just brought up two different words that <clears throat> probably encapsulate that pretty well, which is they want to want it and they need it. Where like every office needs to have a team, right. needs to have systems, needs to have skill sets, things that are operating at a very high level. If you I mean, if you have a goal of being an overnight success in 40 years, you have to have these things, right? There's no other way. There's no um, shortcut. That said, while you need them, tell me more about the want. Like you want to want that thing and you need it. Where do you find it? What's the solution? <laughs> Cause you got to have them. So, so how do you do, is it just willpower? 
you know, uh, magic? Like, how are you doing this? Well, it's not because sometimes people will say they want something and they know that they need it, but that's what I'm saying. They don't truly want it. Some people like the heightened experience of putting out fires. Mm. Some people are really addicted to that. That's excitement. Think about that. The opposite of that is there's no, there's no excitement. So putting out fires, being overly stressed, having a really, you know, overcommitted calendar, that's kind of fun. You know, you're like, oh man, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, I thought the plane was going to crash, but I'm my own hero. (laughs) Got the plane out of the gutter today, made it to all the things, took care of all the patients, managed the team, and you get to feel really self-satisfied rescuing yourself from the own, your own fires. You actually were saying this to uh, one of your clients last week. I overheard this while I was making coffee and uh, I loved it. I thought it was such an interesting uh, take on it. What you're getting at in a lot of ways feeds that inner martyr, which we all have. Oh, right? yeah. Like we all have that person right. who's like, but I worked so hard to do this. And I think most dentists really in general have that because we've worked our tails off to become the thing. And then you have a million things on your plate. From marketing to leading a team to doing the dentistry to staying on your to education to making sure your financials are right to having goals. I mean, you name it. You just go down the list. And so working hard becomes sort of that like identity. But when you take on responsibilities for others, um, which would basically would, what training would take over. But if you do that, you're outworking the problem, which makes you feel better about yourself. And so that martyr is satisfied. And the thing that you said to your client that I loved was that when you come into a room and people are talking, people are like, how, how is your, you know, how are things going? Talking to family, how are things going? It is not socially acceptable to be like, I'm crushing it. My team's crushing it. Life is amazing. I've never been thinner, hotter, or richer. How are you? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just killing the game. It's actually, I would say that what's not acceptable is for people to say, it's easy. Like, it's easy. No, and when have you ever... You could not say that. When have you ever heard somebody say that? Actually, never, I don't think. You know, I've... (laughs) You know, I don't think I've heard him say it, but the one time I really just got to see somebody fully just own how fantastic they were. Bob Marges. Yes. Oh my gosh. You you will. I will never. Love that man. Yes. I will never forget. Bentley Bob. Yes. I will never forget meeting him because that was a new level of self-ownership. Just like, I love my life. I love everything I do. I love how I've constructed it. And right. I hope the same for you, but that's the one, right? It was like, and you, you really got that feeling like I'm going to do me. And that was such a vibe that for the moment you're around Bob Marges, you're like, yeah, yeah I'm going to do me too. You know, it's like, <laughs> yes, it's this, I will. yes, it's like, it is, it's this permission. It's this excitement. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all the things. Well, he's, he's truthful and very self-aware, which I, I think that combination is awesome because the truthfulness is, yeah, like life is good. This is great. Like he's kind of an open book that way. And it's like, you can do it too. But the awareness piece is that like, you don't feel like you have to try to subjugate your success or minimize it to be relatable to others. Like Bob's not trying to be re- trying to be relatable. He just is magnetic, which magnetic. becomes relatable if oh. that makes any sense. You know, oh, like you magnetic. want to relate to that. Right, right. Yeah. You're so like, let me level whatever, whatever you're doing. You. I, yes. Whatever you're doing, I'm going to level up. Can to- I ride in the trunk of your Bentley? <laughs> <laughs> which one? <laughs> 
but but you know he works his tail off. Like I, we talked to him, we like right. we know he's traveling all the time. Um, he's a phenomenal dentist. He's incredibly incredibly talented, and so but he doesn't feel like he has to to make you believe that by saying how hard he works. Oh my gosh, it's been such a brutal deal. And I find myself doing where like I'll come home for you sometimes, and I'm like, oh, it's such a hard day. And it might have been a hard day, but do I have to say that? It's just what's socially acceptable, you know? To complain is socially acceptable. It, 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 yes, it is, right? That makes, that makes you relatable. Mm-hmm. That makes you relatable. And I was having a conversation with my girlfriend yesterday, actually. We went out to lunch, and we were having this conversation about when you show up that way, right? When you show up in a place of martyrdom, my life is hard, I'm being overworked, Here's the truth and nobody tells you it. Expect people to not want to be your friend. Mm. Yeah. That's what I think personally, because I would like relationships to be 80% fun, sharing excitement, creating memories and 20% holding space, solving problems, you know, l- venting, whatever. 20% is the max. <laughs> yeah. When you start to get into a relationship with somebody and the predominant emotion of the relationship is heavy baggage, complaining and complaint. Tell me how much of your precious time that is rare that you want to make an effort to go spend time with a person like that. And so if you're showing up in a practice like that, if you're showing up in your marriage like that, should we be shocked that some people don't want to be around you? Right, right. I mean, the shock, kind of a nice way to tie that whole thing up in a bow in some ways, we've used the word like trying to be relatable. Uh, I think it was C.S. Lewis who had written that the human mind is is extraordinary because it does have the ability, unlike really any other organ um, and any other species, to be able to hold two very paradoxical thoughts in its mind at the same exact time. And I think that's what we're seeing in in general with this topic. People have a desire, a want to be extraordinary, to be a success, an overnight success. I mean, not just a success, an overnight success. That's big time. That's like showing up. But then you also want to be relatable, right? And that's a that's a huge problem because you have two very different warring thoughts. One is I want to be extraordinary and the other one is I want to be relatable. Right. And so which one's going to win out? Well, the one that's going to win out is the one that is dictated by your environment. And if your environment is one of wanting to be pleasing to people around you, do not expect to do the things that are difficult and painful and hard and boring and every, all the rest. And sometimes even easy. <laughs> that's me, right? You don't expect to do those things and achieve that overnight success. It, it won't happen because you really will choose one of those two. Or you'll war between the two and never get anywhere. You'll just go in a circle. Right, for sure. I think there's also an opportunity to really look and analyze mindset. Because a lot of times, I mean, mindset is looking at something and then having the ability to choose, right? Mm -hmm. So if we think, okay, well, I can either stay in my box and relatable, but that means that I'm sacrificing being being extraordinary. But what if being extraordinary actually meant that you get to have connection with people? Because a lot of times being extraordinary means that you have to sever connection with people because now you're no longer relatable. Right. Right. And as people, one of our fundamental core values is connection with other people. Yeah. Right. So when we're faced with that choice, it's like, well, I guess I'll, I'll sacrifice being extraordinary so that I can stay in community. 
I mean, think about what martyrdom does. Martyrdom, it, it might make you feel good for a moment. It might make you feel good for a weekend. But what it really does is it creates resentment. Yes. Which then creates separation, which then gets you further from the goal of connection. So it's like all these things in the short term, isn't that the truth, right? Like the truth is that in the short term, short-term successes, wins, desires, uh, <clears throat> really do their deception. They're a lie. That long-term game plan, that uh, delayed gratification really does get you the things that you want and and who you get to become. That's I think the that's the piece. And, and that's what people are confusing is the destination with the journey. But that's such an overused, con- like cliched phrase that I kind of hate it. But that's really kind of what we're getting at is that along that journey, there's you do get to be connected. You do get to let things be easy. You do get to have a team that's, that supports you and and helps you achieve your goals. You, you can have all of that, actually. Yeah, right. Because the real world application is short term. And we'll just put it in like, right, the how it shows up. If you have a friend that complains during the moment they're complaining, they're going to get pity. But in the long term, they're not going to be invited to parties. <laughs> right? So that's that's how it is. That, yeah. That's how it is. That's not going to be your first person to pick when you're like, oh my gosh, I want to go on an extraordinary vacation. Yeah. Let me call my friend who does nothing but complain. Like, not happening. Right. Yeah. Right? This is a fun topic. We could go more and more on this, but um, it's going to be a shorter episode today. Just because we got places to be, we've got places. We got things to do. Yeah, we've we've got <laughs> we've got we've got excitement and cheer to bring other people. That's back. right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. We'll tune in next week. We'll have another juicy podcast for you. Have a great week.